everybody. Welcome to the Murray Den. We've been in lockdown. We all need something to marry us up and make us excited and inspire us. I thought this would be the appropriate time to drop an exciting interview with Karen Zoid that I had with John Flismas on the In With The Two Outsiders podcast and dropping it in here so that you can hear her glory to glory story, her words of wisdom, inspiration, and you get to sit in a conversation between three outsiders and it goes in all directions. So enjoy this. I think you're really going to love it. Hey, Mr. JV, how are you doing? Hello. I'm still fine. I'm increasingly looking like some kind of mild geography teacher, but I'm fine. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that beard at some point, I thought you were Jesus. I often do by myself. I walk around my apartment by myself and I treat my cats as my believers. It's crazy. And your disciples? <laughs> I think we are all your disciples. We just go with the following. We follow Jesus. You can become like Jay-Z. You can just change your name to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense. Anyway, How are you? Are you okay, Carmen? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing oh, super fine. I've been absolutely amazing. Um, I'm just super excited about our guest today. Um, I actually have to tell you a very funny story before we introduce her. I worked on the ship many, many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. And she launched this amazing song that was so, if I can almost say sacrilegious. (laughs) She took a song that was so precious to the Afrikaans nation and she turned it into the ultimate rock song. Afrikaans is plesierig. And I'm familiar with it. Are you familiar? <laughs> anyway, and then I bought it on a CD and I took it to the ships to the Caribbean and Aruba and Miami. And I met all these people and I played it to them. We used to headbutt at 12 o'clock at night after a few bottles of vodka and, and wine. And then we used to wow. like, sorry, no licensing fees paid. It was like we were on no man's land, sorry. But it was like the party song for everybody and they had no idea what you were saying. And I, nice. I hope people know who we're talking about now. I should hope so. I am, I'm not a very complimentary person and I don't like to be nice to people because I feel like it just sets them up for failure <laughs> later. But I can tell you that I have, I, there are a couple of people in South Africa that I just love and I always love because they're just authentic. And so that's who our guest is. Karen Zoid. How are you, Karen? Uh, I'm well, and it's so nice to see you, John, and so nice to meet you, Carmen. Likewise. Thanks for doing the show, and, and you'll understand very shortly why we, we thought you'd be a perfect fit. But um, but I have a memory of that song too, and I don't know if you remember this, but we both did a gig at the Houses of Parliament. Yeah. And there were like thousands of people, and I think I wasn't in great shape. I don't think my comedy was going down terribly well. But yeah. you got on stage and they were expecting like big Kwaito artists later in the day. And you got up and you did Afrikaners as Placeric. And I remember looking out from the side stage, like literally thousands of people just like moshing to the song Afrikaners as Placeric, <laughs> oh, yeah. looking up over the sea of people. And there was the parliament buildings. I was like, shit, this really is a changed world we live in. And it's beautiful. Um, that, that anthem, it just, it was amazing. So was, I remember that song, uh, and it's very good. Yeah. Thank you, John. Now, and I, I remember I loved you even even when you were drinking. You were fantastic. I've always loved you. And, and, uh, I don't care. Even if you if you if you go back to drinking, I'll love you. I'll I'll come and fetch you at the oh. bar. You 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 were always a nice. You know, some people you were just always cool. You've always been cool. You always will be cool. And so I'm just saying that to you. Thanks. I mean, I, yeah. I'm chaotic when I'm, when I'm drinking, but I'm fun. I'm fun. I'm fun when I'm partying. I'm not a horrible drinker. I'm quite a nice, I tend to wake up in strange cities and I've given people a house or I've done something really mad. So I've never been like, when I say problem drinker, for me, problem, but for everyone else was a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, oh, my favorite John moment is that, uh, I mean, it's more recently the, um, that piece you did on, on old people that fucked up the world. <laughs> it's the so funniest true. thing you ever did, and it's so true. I use it all the time. <laughs> it is just, it is just, it's just really the truth, isn't it? It's where, where yeah. we are right now. 
<laughs> I mean, but I think like, don't you find it weird? Like I'm sitting here like, and I'm dressed, like I was saying earlier, like a geography teacher, right? And, and you know, I mean, I remember us both wearing a lot of leather and being backstage with Jack Daniels yeah. and like all of that, like doing those things, right? But so to your exact point, don't you find it's weird that, um, you know, Hunter Thompson said when the, when the, when the going gets weird, the weird go professional. And, and it's like the world has gone fucked. And, and, and the people that I remember who were turning the world on its head uh, like 10, 20 years ago, we all seem to have become kind of a new sort of establishment. And, and, and I find that quite cool. <laughs> I know. It's weird. We're the grown-ups now, hey? That's yeah. what it is. Like, yeah. isn't it great that like you've raised children in this world rather than some other like you know for crumb to tunny or or you know like we're putting a better <laughs> I hope it's we we're putting a better class of human and they're better than us even I'm a big believer that the kids are even an improvement yeah. on us right but yeah. but we we're now populating the world with more people who are not afraid um, and 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 that's what outsiders is about right so Carmen and I met we are not that similar in many ways but and yet we found each other and we kind of hung on to each other because it's 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 a brilliant um combo and and we just felt that this podcast was important to seek out people who've been outside and and um and found a way to make that outsiderness work for them um um, and you know i mean for, for many afrikaans kids who've moshed at your shows earlier on and now perhaps come to your shows now and, and kind of connect you brought you brought a sense of belonging to people who felt on the edges maybe i don't know i don't know you know it's so funny with, I, I hear you guys talk about disruption a lot mm. you know and th- that is what it is you know if you're if you're okay with being a disruptor you're okay with thinking for yourself like you you mess up Hugely, as you did, as <laughs> I did, as I still do. But you're the one who will take a chance and you'll think for yourself. No one was ever going to tell you what to think about anything. You make up your own mind. And I think it's we live in a world where, well, certainly our children have the choice, you know, to choose. You can really choose what you believe in. You can really choose uh, you, you, you choose everything. Um where we, when we grew up, it was a little bit different. I mean, even though we had privilege, you know, there was a certain way that as a woman, I had to behave, you know, to be accepted, uh, to get attention. Uh, there were certain opportunities that were given to, you know, uh, so yeah, things have, have, uh, have changed a lot. And, uh, and, and I think that's where it is. We're living in a world now where everybody has to think for themselves. And so people that are used to, being part of a group, a movement, everything. I mean, even if you want to go to church, uh, only 50 people now, and you might die from COVID-19 if you go. So yeah. um, you have to you have to know what you think about what you think. So uh, better read that book and uh, better listen to more than just what they teach you at school or you know, consider that your parents maybe don't have it down 100%. Um, so I think our generation had that going for us where we could push those boundaries and uh yeah we drank too much we did lots of naughty things but the the experimentation there's something set for it you know i don't know within that chaos look at the chaos in the world right now amazing things are going to happen of course it is of course we need we we need chaos the world sometimes needs chaos for something to to change we couldn't carry on like this this capitalist world I mean, mm. we wanted this actually. Yeah, it had to end. This is what we wanted. It has to stop. We can't just carry on like this. So, Faye Popcorn was talking about Greta Thunberg, and she was calling her the Messiah of the environment. And I thought that was such yeah. a profound way of of putting that. And it's almost like um, my husband and I we were having this conversation, and I said to him. Have you noticed the sun is actually setting later? Um, because of the, no pollution, you're actually starting to see and hear things that you never saw before. One thing that I, Karen, you've always fascinated me. I, I don't know why. Um, I remember as a um, youngster, my mom used to buy the Heisgenoot. And like the Heisgenoot in the back end of the Heisgenoot is all yeah. the, the celebrities. <laughs> And it always used to fascinate me. That was the first place I always used to go in the Heisgenoot, like to get gossip, because we didn't have 
entertainment news or anything like that. So yeah. um, you always used to fascinate me because you were like this person that really came across like in those days, like everybody, all the old people love Blessed Bridges and Gheikost and, and those kind of people. And here comes Karen Zoid and she just smashes things out of the park. But I feel that Diesel has this great quote and I want to hear your take on it where it says, Smart has the plans, but stupid has the stories. What are the stupid <laughs> things that you've done? The stories behind those stupid stories, the backdrop that you can share with us. It depends on what kind of a person you are. But to me, I, by the way that I think is, um, I, I want things to unfold. Some people like to work with a list. So let's go one, two, three, four, five, six. I do have a plan. I have a vision. But the minute I feel that I'm going by a list, you've lost me. I get bored and I leave it. Mm. So for me, my career and everything I ever did was one big adventure. So I I did stupid stuff, but it, it wasn't really stupid because if I didn't do it, I wouldn't have made all my discoveries, you know, and mm. um, written all the maps that I now own you know, that I now use and I can have other people use. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, it's the stupid things I've learned from, um, okay, the first thing I'll tell you, when I started out, I changed my surname to Zoid because my father's surname is Grief and I hate, I hate his surname <laughs> because my father is an economist and whenever people phoned our house, they would ask for Dr. Grief. He did a lot of business with people in Canada. And so my mother had already died when I was nine. So we had a bit of a dark cloud over the family. And my father's married four times since. Um, so this grief, and I just, oh, I just hated the name. And so uh, I changed my name to Zoid. And I, but when I managed my, my band, I couldn't afford a manager. I used to phone people in Cape Town and say that I'm doing a tour and, um, my name's Louise Grip. My second name is Louise. So it's pretty stupid as I, I really hate, I hate lying. After John, I think John, knows I, I hate lies. I, I, I freaking yeah. can't deal with you if you lie to me, no matter how bad it is. I just can't deal. It's just, everything's broken. People start lying. So I bet that's the stupidest thing I did. And I, I, I phoned and said, it's Louise Grip. And Louise Grip booked an entire tour for Car and Zoid. <laughs> and I get to Captain and then people go, Where's Louise? I'm like, oh, she's in Joburg. You know, she's busy with us. And I just continued on with this lie for quite a while, about a year. And then eventually I had to start telling people, well, actually, Louise Greff was me. There's no Louise. It's me. And then, yeah. So, so that was a stupid, it was stupid to do. But, yeah, it's wrong to do that. But that's how I got in it. Because if you seem to have representation, you're important suddenly in show business. If you don't. You're nobody. That has also changed now in the year 2020. It doesn't matter anymore. You can be independent, like Max Harrell, this kid who's doing those um, the, the, the satirical songs of the politicians or when people's all they put. He's not with a label. He's just doing it himself. He's putting it up himself. He's able to put that song onto Spotify, Deezer, Apple Music. Before you had to go through like three oaks. You had to go through a publisher, then a record label, then a, then a, then a. And Max is just doing it. From his computer. See, yeah, see, don't need representation anymore. Yeah. <laughs> don't have to lie, kids. You don't have to lie. Don't have to lie. <laughs> um, uh, there are three things that you said there that I, I just uh, I find so it's you know when I met Edwin Cameron, I just said I said I have to say to you that I'm I'm so glad that you're in the world while my daughter is here, uh, and and it's so cool to hear you talk like this because I now have the ability as an older, less druggy. Um, person with, <laughs> who now hangs out at a school right I, I hang out at a school and and I, I teach people at the business school and and what you just spoke about you love to see things unfold like that's a very and you spoke about chaos we now know that that doesn't make you to be a um, like a mad punk with tattoos what that really means is that you have an ability to um, um you have a very high uh, tolerance for uh, um 
ambiguity. That's the first thing. And that's a huge sign of um, mm. a, a good brain is that you can handle ambiguity. You can tolerate it at a high level because that's what fucks our country up is a low level of, of, of tolerance for ambiguity. And, and um, mm. if you think about mm. what we spoke about with Faith Popcorn, the future is about fluidity. We are going to be able at some point, given a technology meeting biotech, you'll be able to flip through binary ideas at, at the flick of a button. So gender will fall away, race will fall away. Um, all of those binary uh, markers that used to identify, to your point, the young Karen Zoid was put in a box. Mm. And, and only later in life did you did you you figure out a strategy. But also um, you're able to process ambiguity, which means that you're able to speak to lots of people in your music at the same time, and, and they mm. get it. And that's why you, you're really good at putting an anthem out there. I mean, you also have pretty good pipes, so you can, you know, you can sing that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's got to be said. But, um, but also, um, what's interesting is that, is that you're able to, um, you're a great strategist because you understand this idea of unfolding, which is actually emergent understanding as opposed to pre-populated lists. So what sounds like a rebellious kid is actually the formation of a pretty complex mind and and um like how boring have i become did you just hear all that shit i just said i used to tell dick jokes and and so and so <laughs> oh, God. i don't know i don't think so i don't think i'm a spokesperson for a lot of people but i certainly have found things that work for me and now what i wanted to say about your little uh, uh 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 thing there is that didn't you don't you also find that after all those wild days of exploration, experimentation, partying, excess, everything, just to live, to feel alive. Because I think when you're an overthinker, you sometimes need to, I'm alive, let me stick something in my vein or smoke it. <laughs> oh, let's do things. We're going to die. We're going to die. Oh, shit. You know, when you're young, it's like it's all, I'm going to die. Oh, let me feel alive. Let me push myself as close to death as possible, and then I'll be fine. That's what you do. Like, yeah. Um, but then when you get over that little hurdle, then you realize that you as a, as an adventurer, and I think you're the same, you unfo- everything's unfolding and you're part of this adventure, okay? Like my, even my company is called Mothership Studios because we're on an adventure. Right. Our ship right. is on its own venture. We're the mothership. But your little spaceship can dock because I'm also a harbor, but I'm on my own, own like an adventure, you know. But at some point, that. That explorer, that that dreamer, that artist realizes you need to partner with people that do make lists, with people that uh, are a bit more structured, formulaic, and that's where everything turned around for me. Mm-hmm. I thought I wasn't a nerd, and I've realized I'm the biggest nerd in the music industry, and I'm proudly a big right. nerd. Um, oh, and I, 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 I uh, surround myself with people that are smarter than me, with people that are more structured than me because the opposites, even in music, the opposite two notes make something harmonically pleasing. Yeah. Mm. Opposite yeah. colors in the spectrum are pleasing, except for Urania Blanya Blow. And then that's not pleasing, <laughs> but they are opposite yeah. <laughs> um, colors, you know? So we need each other. We need each other. We need to live with each other, you know, and we need to work with each other. We need to, the minute you realize that, suddenly, you know, I have the world's admiration for a lawyer who reads and reads and reads through documents I would never be able to do. I can't deal. So yeah. that guy's a rock star. He just sits there and flipping reads and then says nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> You know, and, oh, uh, and 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 yeah, that's uh, that's that's part of the journey. It's realizing, yeah. So we didn't do maths at school. We didn't like that. We didn't like this and this. Now we're gonna do it in our thirties and forties. And Halo Fifty coming up soon. We're gonna wear these things. <laughs> part of life. Lekker admin. Let's go. Do you know the interesting fact is that I feel like we're now in the 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 new Renaissance era. So in the Renaissance era, they had the Black Death. So one in three people died, and, and I, I recall us having a conversation about this, but one in three people died, and then everybody inherited money, and then yeah. people stayed at home. And then they just started becoming very creative. They had apps on 
um, that, that drink and they were just getting drunk and they were really uh, unleashing themselves into this creative space. The Leonardo da Vinci's, um, um, Gutenberg came out, um, we had Nostradamus, and this was the rebirth of the modern world. And now we have our pandemic the pandemic that will shift us forever in the way that we see things. And I think um, I, I read this interesting um, quote a while ago, um, which was a, a goal is not as much as about the good ideas as it is about collecting as many bad ideas as you possibly can. And then the good idea will come to you. And yeah. I think, I think that in this, this time that, that we're living in, it's like everybody is, Pepe Marie taught me something very powerful. And he said, when you have very, very high emotions of depression or anxiety, you can't think with clarity. So you mm -hmm. need to position yourself in the, into a place where you, your emotions are stable so that you can think with clarity. And don't you think that, that all of these concepts and things that I've just now thrown on your lap, um, is somehow very reflective of the time that we live in is to stabilize those emotions and to really, really dig deep for the good ideas and the bad ideas to see where you're going to go. Yeah, look, I don't know about stabilizing emotions, but ride, uh, riding, <laughs> riding the wave, people who haven't had any problems in their life are going to go through difficult times now, unfortunately. Those of us who have suffered... <laughs> <laughs> we used to that. No, I'm joking. no, but you know, um, yeah, you know, all of us have a portion of suffering in this life, and um, the sooner the better, actually. Like, I've made a point of it with my child not to make it too easy on him. You know, like, I could have bought, he plays guitar as well, I could have bought him, like, I'm endorsed by Fender, I could get an American signature series, but I won't. I won't. The first guitar he got was a. It, it was the same kind of guitar I had when I started. And I think you spoke about Leonardo da Vinci and those artists. After that Black Death, there was a lot of apprenticeship because they knew mm -hmm. they were going to die. So the guy who taught Leonardo, he it was part of life to impart impart this knowledge and then and yeah, the finishing doing something properly also it's it's everybody wants to be bruce lee but nobody wants to have the discipline that bruce lee did he woke up at flip and i don't know four o'clock karate is a di discipline music is a discipline if you want to be able to play the guitar you lose it if you don't practice yeah i've, I've, I've strayed away from your original question but i wanted to say about um it's very important to waste paper Wasting, there's mm. nothing wrong with wasting. You, If you want to write a song or you want to write a script, you must start writing. You, and don't, people are like, mm, wait, I'll type. I can't type on it. I have to work on a piece of paper. And I, there's lots of pieces of paper in my house. Even now I'm scribbling. I don't know why. And it's maybe it is wasteful, but if I don't write the nonsense, nothing else is going to come out. The good stuff isn't, it's like mining, you know, you're mining your mind. I do a, a lecture about destruction as a fundamental part of creativity. And, and uh, we are afraid of destroying things because we taught that as apes that must end, uh, destruction is a terrible thing. Um, but um, I think it's massively important. That's why Hindus have got Kali, who's the mother of creativity and destruction, because it's the same thing. Yeah. And there are also neuroscientists who say that children um, don't break things because they are uh, malicious. They break things because they get a real, they're wrestling with the problem of the of the unbreakability of energy. In other words, they're not breaking it, they're rearranging something. Um, it's just oh, broken yeah, according uh, to your uh, story. You know, you paid money for it in this format and you worked for that and you've been taught by Christo-Judaic Calvinist work ethics that yes. it's hard work and to break something is wasteful. But a child didn't see your father work himself to death or didn't see mm. that book didn't learn about hell yet so so this child is rearranging the energy because there's a fundamental problem for humans that energy doesn't end we do consciousness mm. does yeah. and they're trying to wrestle with that concept so your point about the paper is brilliant because uh, it, you know it's only wasting paper from the point of view of if you're trying to save trees but you're also trying to fire up a mind you know and yeah. it, it's not the same because you won't waste as much paper in your whole life as will get wasted in, in the fucking local municipal office today. So yeah. it's not really a waste. It's it's quite a good deal. If you look at, if a tree yeah. gave up its life for two, for your ideas, yeah, that's it's quite a, a good deal. 
Yeah, well, it's like um, placebo. I don't know if you guys listen to placebo, but the Brian Malko said this thing about that every great band, you know, or artist initially sucked. You had you suck. You you know you stand there and you're impersonating whatever whoever we were listening to Nirvana and Hall and L Seven and and screaming and you're, you're impersonating. But you have taste. As long as you have taste, you're connecting. So you're connecting to the thing that you're trying to understand. Maybe oh. it's just an emotion, like the child that you're talking about wants to break something, and and that you've found. So going back to um, where we are now in this chaos, suddenly people are coming to John who was snorting cocaine, me who was downing a bottle of Jack Daniels, because we seem to be calm. <laughs> we're suddenly, and we, we, we seem to have it together. Okay, I'm not drinking like I used to, and I'm not taking drugs, neither is John. And hey, as you see, we've got uh, now we, so we seem to, to have it under control, but it's just as I think of. Even in this world, this old world, in 2020, people are struggling to share their feelings. Millions and millions of people on the internet trolling Twitter so desperately want to share their feelings. They can't. They can't. They want to say, I'm hurt, then they're angry. They want to say, I'm alone. They pretend that they're so happy and everything is perfect. We, 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 We struggle with our emotions. So, I mean, I've always stayed in the artistic realm for that reason, because that's where I feel okay. Because I am scared, actually. The black plague is here. The rats are bringing the hochos. I'm scared. I am scared. But <laughs> I'm scared now, dude. I am scared. But it, the minute I say I'm scared, I feel a little bit better. And the minute I say I'm scared, chances are you're going to say, I'm also a little bit scared. The mm, yeah. Okay. But, oh, feel better. Feel better now? Got that out? Do you feel pressure to be that articulating kind of voice? I think I ended up in this role. It just kind of unfolded on me with music because, you know, it's the other way around for us. In music, you know, in any other business, you make a product for a market and you sell it to them. And yes, in the music industry, there are people that do it, like in the entertainment, as you know, John, uh, people Mm. make something for an audience. The kind of music I make, the kind of comedy you should make again one day, even though you're taking a little break, um, is you you make what you want to make without a yeah. care in the world of who's <laughs> Then afterwards, you, you, you're found in a position of, how am I going to sell this shit? So now I have to make other people believe that they need it. So that's how yeah. we learned. That's the, we learned that same little trick, you and me, of yeah. how to convince people you know, you don't think you want to listen to this, but let me just, so, uh, but the marketing comes after the initial thought. And the amazing mm. thing with music or any performing art is you make something and it connects with somebody else. And once you have for a moment in your life, you feel like somebody gets you or they, and mm. they feel like you get them. And that's oh. the for me the addiction with music and 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 being able to um to verwoord to to make it into a word. It's a word. It's a feeling. It's a word. I'm going to say the feeling, and you're going to feel the word at the same time. I'm addicted to that, and there's power in it. I mean, talk is cheap, but the power of a slogan, one word, one one person who stands up, that child who stood up. Can you imagine? And she has Asperger's. I mean, like, freaking when I was young, she would have been mocked at school. She wouldn't even go to school. She had to go to a special school. And people would say nasty things about her. Mm-hmm. And there she is, Faith Popcorn, calling her the Messiah of a generation. It's what she said, but it's what she felt. And she could combine those two things linguistically and emotionally. And she was raised in a way where she, she could yeah. share that. Where we started yeah. with the alcohol and the drugs and the screaming and the sex and all those things uh, maybe she had a different uh, uh, had a little different it was fun though it was fun yeah. my kid better not do it i'll freaking kill him something i really want to talk to you about and i'm gonna maybe self-reflect for a bit i'm totally with you on the whole thing about being authentic but for some reason i pull my energy from people so i need people around me i need to have you I need to. 
Yeah, so I need to like because I feel like I can make a better connection and I draw from that energy. And I feel like being in lockdown is almost like stripped me naked from from just being this this I just feel a bit numb inside. I'm not depressed or all of that, but I do feel a bit numb. And I'm yeah. feeling like yeah. being my authentic self right now is not authentic because I'm not feeling authentic. I'm not feeling that feeling that makes me feel like I want to express myself the way that I used to, that happy laugh, that happy bubbly yeah. stuff. You, do you know what I mean? And um, there's yeah. this big debate that's currently happening with all the experts and professors and the public speakers. So half of them seem so Brene Brown, I love her. So Brene Brown says, if you're authentic, you don't hide in safety because if you hide in safety, this is where depression happens. This is where anxiety happens. This is where drug addiction happens and all of these. Mm. Then you have the other side of the coin where people say, if you're too authentic, then you're a narcissist. And yeah, oh, really? I think it's the guy that wrote the book, The Originals. And that's one of the, the things. If you're too authentic, then you're, you're a narcissist. And I must tell you that I have been sitting with this thing and it's percolating inside me because somehow we all have a responsibility to be our authentic selves because that guides us to our true stars of who we meant to be and our cause and our mission. True, but can I tell you something else? It's For me, it's become even more simple than that. If we can all just be gentle, everything will get better, a lot better very quickly. But we can't be, we struggle. And the gentle, we, we come from pre-lockdown. Pre-corona, quickly. What do you want? You want to get food? Quickly, you want coffee? Yeah, pita, deluxe, what do you need? You want to go, okay, quickly get this. Everything's fast. But things, back to my Afrikaans, afronding, afronding. When you complete them, the final touches. The difference between the guy selling the painting at the market and Leonardo da Vinci is the finishing touches, that last 10%. That last 10% of a job is the most important and it takes just as long as the first 90%. And yep. that, it sucks. And you have to be gentle in those last. When you've built the thing, you've got your puzzle, or you're building a ship, it's like those, those toothpick ships. You have to be patient in the last 10%. And that's when people flip. They can't. Mm. So we start mm. freaking out. So everyone's running like headless chickens at the moment. Every muso is sitting on the couch, recording themselves, mm. doing a gig, like scared, scared. I'm harsh. If somebody has success, oh, why is that guy? He's not good. You know, oh, who does she think she is? So I think with what you're saying, with how you're feeling as an extrovert, and I relate because I'm also a big extrovert, is that the only way to do this is to be gentle with yourself. If you, the minute you feel scared, to go have a culture, or, you know, like find a friend, or just just face it that it and be gentle about it. You don't have to be freaking superwoman. I don't have to be. I'm not. I really. And I don't care that I'm not anymore. Sometimes things suck and you just have to say, okay, it sucks. And then the minute you say that you're unhappy or a bit scared, tired, anxious, that that's the moment you realize, yeah, and I'm going to feel better now. <laughs> because <laughs> I, it's just like that. It won't be like that forever. Um, and if you're gentle, but people are harsh in this country at the moment, you know, the stress, mm. the panic, there's, there's no food, there's jobs, unemployment, if you look at that big wave, you're going to get scared and anxious, angry, whatever. But you can't yeah. be. You're, you're, a, you're a small fish. Be gentle and just swim to be a fish. What yeah. can we do? What can we do about these waves? What can we do? Have to live. Still have to live. Do you think you were always keen on gentleness or did you decide it was a better option? I hated myself as a teenager. Ah, uh, childhood was difficult and I was addicted to drugs. I did all my drugs as a teen. Mother died, father married, problems. Tough, tough times. So, you know, and I couldn't understand. So I, 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 was, I wasn't gentle with myself. I only became gentle with myself later. Yeah, actually, yeah. when I was a, a vocal coach on um, The Voice, Lira, mm. I used to sit next to Lira, and then, oh, these people come on, and then this <laughs> kid sings, and she can't sing. She freaking, this, it's definitely somebody who should be looking at a different career. It's definitely, singing is not, and Lira says, 
you know, you have to believe in you. You know, you've got to love you. Before, and I used to sit there and I go, this this nonsense, you know, this poor child, you're setting her up for disaster. She's noticing, but a week later, the same kid comes back and she's singing and she's confident and she's performing. And I look at Lyra and this lesson of self-love, I actually only learned a few years ago on The Voice with Lyra talking about self-love, self-love, self-love. It's come obviously over a long period of time. And the gentler I have become about my shortcomings over the course of my life, the easier, the safer the passage, the easier everything goes. You just have to forgive yourself sometimes and you have to let go of things that might have happened in the past that weren't right or mistakes you made or mistakes other people made. I'm sure mm. you relate with this, John. I'm talking to you. You know what I'm saying. This stuff, it's just like yeah. stuff. And you're like, ah. <sighs> but you, then you got to let it go eventually somehow. Well, you know, I mean, we've always been, always resonated quite closely, I think, uh, because I know, I know it's the same story. And I think um, mm. the, the difference, I suppose, is I I've learned to prefer the gentleness of people that have come from that kind of place. Actually, Carmen, I know your story, and I would say it's the same. Uh, I think you're also part of the story because I just, Carmen and I have got to know each other quite well. And, and um, quite strangely, what we found is that when, when we meet people who we've designated as fairly important outsiders in the world, what we've discovered is that early rejection, early judgment, whether it's self or by mm-hmm. others, often both at the same time. And um, mm. what develops is a really enlightened sense of empathy. Carmen's a very empathetic, uh, got a really a big uh, skill yeah. as an empath. And and uh, and actually, uh, I mean, Carmen, I don't want to talk about your story, but but certainly oh, we bonded mind. on. Yeah, you know, we bonded on the fact that Carmen also had an incredibly tough childhood, and and um, mm. I do find that that's what makes important outsiders so important, and it's complicated because once mm. we once we access the outsider inside almost everyone there's such a deep sense of empathy and and that's a rich place you know it's such a powerful because if you you live as an ape who's just pointless really i mean we're a bunch of monkeys clinging to a rock flying around a nuclear reactor and at the end of the day it's all going to be dust (laughs) and i I have no religious belief and 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 at all and increasingly as i get older i even have less than I had the day before. But but um, what makes it so powerful for me as an atheist is the miracle that, for example, that we can uh, get to know each other and our molecules can recognize the pain and the progress and that I can watch mm. my friend write, write a song and then sing it to a bunch of strangers and it changes their lives uh, possibly for a long time, but certainly in the moment, mm. or Carmen to give a lecture on marketing should connect people rather than divide them and that is a miracle the fact that we're able to feel to this level of just amazing shit you're like all i can think about when i'm watching you is like hearing you talk i'm like fuck i'm so glad that like you are at that place because it's great that you you had the adventure and now you've got another adventure and that's fucking cool Mm. thanks man if you don't fit in because you both know this okay we don't fit in anywhere so we fit in everywhere (laughs) okay so so i can i can sing at the whatever whatever at the city union buildings and i can sing at skospel then i can do opi copy then i can because i don't fit in everywhere i'm not you know but um but you always have that that kind of imposter doubting something driving you and i don't belong yeah like am i cool enough i'm not cool enough for these guys i'm not cool enough for those that's why the story of self-love, it's, uh, uh, with that Lyra, I thought, yeah, so cheesy. This is so cheesy. This is so textbook. And it's like, oh, I was really, like, irritated with her. Like, freaking stop it, you know. Keep the self-love. Just love yourself. You've got to love you. But it really is it, it, because you, we have to save ourselves. Whether you believe in God or you're an atheist, you have to sail your little ship. Do you guys know Zizek, the philosopher? Have you ever seen yeah. any of his stuff? No. So, I uh, love of Zizek. He talks like this. He's like, I, can't, I don't know which country, one of those. 
He's very <laughs> sweat. I like the one he took. Philosopher, but he, he did this whole thing. It's flipping funny. He did this whole thing about uh, uh, capitalism, uh, illustrating capitalism through the Titanic with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet and the fact that there was actually space for Leonardo on the on the door that was floating in the ocean, but he had to die. Anyway, he was watching. But he said this thing about Ode to Joy by Beethoven. Yeah. And he, yeah. Posed, he posed the question that that song, da, 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 whether you're a baby, whether you're 90, we all know that song. But yet Beethoven wrote that when he was deaf already, and he called it Ode to Joy. And he asked the question, is it because we can feel that longing? Is that what he captured? What oh. did he capture there? But Ode oh. to Joy has been used in the Enige Kerk, Alparad, Menzing, Latala. It was also, but it was used by some dictator in Mexico, and he changed the words for his propaganda. It was used when the, when after Germany was banned from the Olympic Games, they had to create a new song for the, for the EU. And it's the anthem of the actual EU. It was the anthem of the Olympic Games, became the anthem of the EU. Sure. And if you buy a little mobile for a little baby's cot, I guarantee mm. you it's going to have that song in it. And so the question is that feeling, that magic that music has, you know, mm. that's, a, what, that's what I'm addicted to. It's just that nobody knows that. The little baby can't know the story of this poor composer who was 45 years old and couldn't hear no. and he wrote his masterpiece and he would never, ever hear it. And he called it Ode to Joy. Yeah, but we can feel something. There's something in that piece of music, and it's been there for hundreds of years. He unlocked something. It's like a video game. I don't know. He unlocked yeah. a level. I remember when I used to be in in sales and business development. I used to have like these. I used to have a music list. The music list to get me amped up, to get me energetic. So I used to play like this music to get my feelings and elevate me to the to the ultimate level. So that when I walked into that room, my energy introduced me before I introduced myself. And it, it, it yeah. was always like it was always <laughs> like that. Like this is how I'm going to do it. And then I can listen to another piece of music and just feel like oh my gosh, I'm going to like I'm just going to meltdown and cry but the one big thing and the big aha moment for me what's your favorite song um my favorite my favorite song is by katie perry raw i don't know it's, oh. just, it's, it's like my song. Oh, 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 oh. yeah anyway so <laughs> i knew this was gonna but i love it because i just feel so empowered as a woman i feel like you know i i'm a I, I, it's just so, it's very important to me. But the essence is what I love in life. I love in life. It's when somebody tells me I can't do something because music yeah. has always shown me <laughs> that it's possible. The people that, yeah. remember Crash Test Dummies? Yes, yes, of course. They told, his music teacher told him that he, he can't sing, that he would never, ever be able to make a record. And he, and then he, he became famous. And I mean, like, it's like listening to what other people and their perception of you doesn't matter. It's what you believe in yourself. And that self-love is the biggest middle finger you can ever give to anybody. Self-love includes discipline. Yes. Discipline. Oh, yeah, that's good. The so so I, I was the naughtiest kid at school, but the biggest lesson of my adult life is discipline. So spending time on writing equals material equals records equals TV shows equals spending time on rehearsing with band equals an amazing band. The discipline of various things and, and, and we can't expect coming back to uh, life within this pandemic to become masterful live streaming broadcasting agencies in one minute. Everyone's trying, but come on. It's going to take time. We're going to have to invest and, and, and put put the effort into it. So the yeah. driving force behind things sometimes is because somebody tells you, for me as well, Carmen, when people told me I couldn't do this, couldn't do that, or I was rubbish, or I mean, I was like a baddie. People was, I wasn't allowed to go to certain people's homes when I was a teenager. I was that kid, like the bad junkie kid. So... Yeah, there's something of that of a driving force to, to prove people wrong. 
But once you get to a certain level and you realize, okay, so what? You know, now I proved mm. it wrong. And I still don't feel better. I don't feel better about myself. It doesn't feel as cool as I thought it would. I mean, that's an important thing, you know. I, I le- I'm only learning this now, probably during this time while I'm doing this new job. But um, I get to work with John, who's the Dean of Henley, and I consider him to be one of the smartest people I know. He's a great guy. I, I love what you just said about, like, finally getting to say fuck you to people who didn't think you were. It's not enough. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a human reward. Vengeance is not a human reward. But what I am grateful for to those people is making me doubt myself to the point where I did something about it. Uh, and maybe mm. that's a bit Buddhist, you know, like maybe it's it's being a bit too kind to unkind people, but unkindness will happen anyway. And and to be able to convert unkindness to kind, that's why I love comedy that's dark. I love to eat things that are unbelievably dark and spit out something that's light. Mm. To me, that's a fucking amazing uh, uh, way to spend your time. I just, I can't do it anymore because for the moment I need something else. But but it's weird when you finally get your kind of, let's call it your revenge, or you prove them wrong. It's not the fact that they're wrong that's rewarding. No. It's the person that you go to bed with at night, and I mean yourself, like because ultimately you fall asleep on your own. But be happy with that person. That's the reward. It's not what, how you no. showed them. You know, it's how no. I became. Yeah, that's what I want to say. It's not about a revenge thing. It's just knowing that there is this power that you can unleash within yourself and there's no limitations but I have been raised in a for example in an environment where we were told everything is a risk dare not to dream because it's it's out of our reach and you're never going to have this life and nothing nothing good is going to happen and um, Mm. it's just somehow to find a way I mean John likes to refer to it as breaking the pattern and like Okay, if Jenna Clifford, when I used to um, work for her, she always used to tell me, just put 10% more, like you told about that 10% at the end. Just take every yeah. day and do 10%, a little bit mm. extra, the extra every mile. single day. Just that yeah. 10% every day, and you'll see it's going to have an impact. You know what people, the mistake I think a lot of people make, eh? they're like, announce everything. I'm going to do this. I'm going to just shut up, do it. You know, like it's like stupid. It's the stupidest thing. People set themselves up like rather rather under promise and over deliver than flip and stand there and announce to the world, I'm gonna do this most amazing thing. Rather surprise them that you you did. Something that just dawned on me about being an Afrikaner, for instance, okay, mm-hmm. is that in a way you have to live with I had a granny that I loved. Both of my grannies raised me and I loved them, but they were both racists. When I was right. a child, I didn't see that. I didn't yeah. see that. When I became a teenager, I started realizing, whoa, mm. what if my granny just call my friend? I mean, like my one friend wasn't allowed to come to our house and like right. weird. And we'd say to her, but she can't say that. And, but I loved her. Yeah. But I knew her. That gentleness is, you've, we all have something like that, like a, a granny who was actually racist, but she loved and she prayed for us and she baked us pancakes, whatever. We gently said to her, and we were able to sit around the table and disagree completely, completely. Yeah. My sister had a black boyfriend. Whoa, Mensa, it was bad. <laughs> In the end, and it took an entire lifetime of being gentle with this granny because she loved me and I knew in her heart, I could see through all this and I could see into her heart. And right at the end of her life, at the very end of her life, when she was frail and she was 90, she lived fortunately up to 96 years old, a great life. But in her late 80s and 90s, she she said to me, yo, I can't believe what we thought like this. And these people yeah. are caring for me, tending to me every day. And those yeah. words, and she cried. She used to cry when I visited her and say, I can't believe I said these things. And I just said, don't worry. And said, That's the point of a gentle approach is the boring way, which is not the fun yeah. party way, but it's the pedantic, boring way that I, as a personality type, don't really like, but have realized mm. it's the only way, the long way is the best way because yeah. eventually you get the result. What is your point? Do you want to be heard or do you want to bring about change? If it's the second one, 
Go the long route, the slow route, the gentle route. Listen to this person and then speak. And know that they're not going to agree with you. Walk a, walk a road. But, but we don't want to. We want to live in our own bubbles. And then when we mm. come out of our own bubbles, we're shocked to learn that yeah. there are populists and communists and racists and yeah. capitalists. So we're like, oh, are you? You're not like me and my friends. You're crazy. But it's like, no, man, you've been sitting in a freaking bubble the whole time. Everybody's been around for years, forever. Yeah. It's always been like this. It's really interesting because the latest research in behavioral change tells you that the way you change societies is by nudging them. You don't shove you nudge and and so it's interesting yeah. how life yeah. nudges people over time to what you're saying it is the gentle uh, approach and gentle nudges change the course of societies whereas revolutions can but often people see a revolution they don't look at the fact that it's often a very blunt tool so it doesn't do mm. what you think it's going to do it does something but it doesn't always have the right consequences that you know, we, we oversimplify. So like Arab Spring, everyone thought, oh, yay, the people in Egypt are free. They're not. They're fucked. They, they're in a worse hands now than they were before. But we were all on Twitter yeah. going, woo, Arab Spring, you know, because we don't understand. So so it's interesting that you yeah. see that kind of nudge. I had an Opa, too, who was completely racist. And, and I, I still to this day. Yeah. I've got a yeah. picture of him in my, on my dressing table because I, I have the maturity to understand that we're not going to win against hatred by hating back. We're going to win by appreciating the fact that people are complicated creatures with, you know, somebody once said the best thing to me. They said, another human being is not a house of cards. If you find one card you don't like, it doesn't collapse the person. They're Jenga blocks. You can say, mm. I don't like this part of you, but I still recognize you as standing in front of me. That's mm. a fucking cool way That's to beautiful. navigate your life, you know. So as South Africans, we often yeah. argue very publicly um, in a way to try and find the other person's like house of cards and then pull out the card and mm. collapse them. So if John Steenhazen says one wrong thing, fuck him and everything he ever stood for, it's the wrong approach. You know, I don't like Julius Malema's mm. comment, therefore he's an asshole. It, it doesn't work like that, you know. So it's mm. interesting. I mean, I, I feel so much common ground in, in the way we both seem to process, all three of us, process the world in a way yeah. that is just, hopefully reaching for something better. Henry Rollins said, when I read the preamble to your constitution, I sensed humanity standing on the tips of its toes. I just hope you can keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh. He's amazed, but yeah, that's it. So, I mean, like, it's time to get hold of our emotions and the first place is to actually just start talking about it. We are not okay. You know, yeah. this country, people are hurt, people are very scared. But what mm. we're hearing is people are angry and people are gutful, our favorite word on carte blanche. I'm angry. But they're not. The truth is scared. The truth yeah. is hurt, sad, pain. There's pain, and the pain manifests as something else. And, yeah, hopefully they'll become we, – we can get to a point where we can actually talk about that. But, I mean, like, we're not yeah. there. We're not there. We're still drinking the Kool-Aid. We're still, you know – yeah, we're we, okay with little with little bits and pieces. We're not ready for a long a discipline of growing a nation, of growing a culture. It's uh, still happening in the peripheral. It's still only happening in the usual places, the arts, like you guys, the academics. It's the same place. It was always yeah. there. It will always be there. And we, please, God, can we just have somebody else who can take these elements that we are showing to the world and use it in politics because – what is going yeah. on in politics? I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke. In the world, not I, just here, in the world. Yeah. It's nice for once. We are not the only political joke on the on the planet. I mean, there's bigger <laughs> jokes now. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. I found this quote that I wanted to read to you, which says, judge a man by his questions rather than judging him by his answers. It was said by Pierre McCaston. What are the questions that you are posing to life right now? Sure. Well, it's the same thing. Where is the love? Where is the love? Yeah. It's where is the love? Why are mm. you doing what you're doing? Oh, do you love it? Don't. If you don't, don't do it. I don't know. The consideration. Are we considering each other? Are we considering the environment, are we 
considering ourselves, our future selves, um, yeah, I would say, where is the love? Where is the love? That is such a big circle that you can go from being Karen Zoid to quoting Hanson. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the I'm, I'm so I'm so I'm 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 actually a bit emotional. There's <laughs> the circle of life where a punk, a punk lead singer is brave enough, confident enough, and asked about the meaning of life to quote Hanson. Fucking why not? Why can't? Why can that not be cool? Oh, oh yeah! Oh, oh my gosh! Oh my What's gosh. your question? What I want to hear your questions as well. You know? Okay. You know, so I'm also an interviewer Jay. when I when I feel like being one. Like, <laughs> oh shit! We not Jay. Oh, that's so easy, man. Uh, my only question now, and I hope will be until I, the last time I breathe, is going to be what if? That's it, man. What if, mm. you know, fucking dream, don't limit it. Don't, you know, don't just fucking ask what if, you know, what do you want? What if the world was like this? What if we did that? What if we tried this? What if, you know, I just, I feel like so many people are looking for answers. No one's fucking asking things anymore. Like it's just, everyone wants to give them an answer. Give me a solution. Give me a time. Give me a date. Give me a deadline. Give me a promise. Give me a mm. fuck, man. Just dream, you know, just fucking mm. dream. And that's all. Keep it open-ended. Bad shit's going to happen. Good things will happen too. People yeah. are going to be good. They'll be bad. They'll like you. They'll hate you. You'll hate yourself. You'll love yourself. Like it's just. Where is love? We need a candle. Fuck, look, seriously. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> What's yours, Carmen? My question is whatever I did today. When I go to bed tonight, do I feel like I've impacted the world? And the moment when I don't feel that I've dented the universe and made an impact, it's the first thing on my to-do list to understand what I can do the next day to make myself feel better that I've made a little bit of a difference in someone's life. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's the deal, eh? That is really the deal. I feel like you're more committed than me. <laughs> that's what? A, that's a, <laughs> I feel your answer is more committed. Like you're going to do something about it. There we go. Let me just see if I can find it. We have oh, to. There's no other way. <laughs> Why we love musicians. Yeah. Oh, there's actually a question I want to ask while you're doing that. I read somewhere apparently in your industry as a, a comedians and musicians that you guys apparently are very close-knitted together as a whole, like comedians and and musicians really connect very well in the entertainment industry. Is that true? I think so. I think mm. I, I, I think all performers are connected. It's a different, it's a weird thing that you do. Mm. Now, if you're a performer, um, it's the closest you can go. Yeah, it's 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 a very intimate thing. <laughs> so, so if you do, yeah. people who do that for a living, oh, hey, hey, I know you. <laughs> I know you do that thing, yeah, you do that thing, you do that thing, yeah, you expose yourself, like, you on the street yeah. corner there, you're back, <laughs> the cigarette, I mean, um, we live lives are very vulnerable, I think that's why I answered your question about the emotions and riding the wave and, you know, getting over it, because performers never do. We, in fact, mm. we, we take it all, you know, we're melodramatic, we feel, so we're, you know, you're on stage and yeah. then they get off at a crushing. There was one person that was heckling you or something. Oh, <laughs> oh, there were a, thousand other, a thousand other people clapping and laughing and singing. And one asshole makes you doubt your entire career. <laughs> um, and and you, you, you think this, this improves over time. It doesn't. You just like get worse and worse. So the insecurity where we're, we're bound uh, and bandaged by uh, you know crippling insecurity and um, low self-esteem and almost narcissism eventually again and then around around we go. <laughs> That's yeah. the vibe. Yeah. That's the vibe. <laughs> 
it's almost like we bond because we've all been together when our skin is the thinnest. Just before you go on, just after you come off, that's when your skin is the thinnest. I think we've seen each other at the most yeah, vulnerable, sensitive moment. I think that's actually a very valid uh, point. But don't you find, uh, Karen, as you get older and um, as you perform now, and I find this with club gigs, like my last couple of times I did club gigs, I, I did a last show and my dad died. I wanted to do one more show. And, and uh, I played a lot of clubs just trying material, which was a fucking disaster because um, um, you can't go on and do a five-minute spot that involves your father dying. It's just too quick. You got to like warm them up mm. over twenty minutes. But but anyway, um, I found I cared less and less about the audience. I just loved the time with the mic. Mm. Um, mm. Do you find that at all? Like as you as you just, I don't know. Maybe the do you music, find the yeah. yeah. The last gig I did. Listen to this. Last show I did before lockdown was with a forty-seven piece Philharmonic Orchestra, Cape Town Philharmonic Orchestra. Wow. I know. It was I the biggest that. show of my career. We did twenty of my own songs. It's the ultimate musical experience. And uh yeah, in in a nutshell, exactly. It is about the music. It's almost like it becomes more about the music. It's the same way it was when I was 16 and I was standing in a garage and I had my first little amp and my first little pedal and, wow, look at this noise. You can, it almost sounds like Pearl Jam. <laughs> wow, I'm so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a genius. It's almost like that now after, you know, you realize you've run a gauntlet. You realize, shoot, some guys that started with me I'm not here anymore. Um, 20 right. years this year, um, and there I was, and I was standing on stage, which was flipping hectic. I almost cried. Eh? Woo, just close. Oh. Not because of the, there were 5,000 people, and it was really amazing, but it wasn't that. It was just the, the power of that music, you know, the music, and just it's my own song. And I'm singing mm. a song that I wrote in my bedroom in Melville yeah, while I was a waitress, and like, and it's just like, and I hear the oboe coming in, and I hear the, the timpanis at the back, and I hear the horns coming over, and it was just like, wow, this is the most connective I've ever been to humans in my life because we're all playing at the same time. We don't have to talk, we don't have to say, but we're connecting on a spiritual, metaphysical wow. level. It feels like it, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's about the thing. It's not about the thing being a means to something, which is, what I like about what you also say, um, Carmen, is that you it's about making a difference about to somebody, to the world mm. or something, to actually to have meaning. After a while you realize, you know, when you actually think, Oh, and approve that Afrikaans teacher, oh, she used to hit me with this thing and you get there and you just realise she's just a scared and hurt grown up who never got over her childhood. And you actually mm. feel sorry for her for the first time. You realize why she was mooring you like that. She was actually mooring the people that were mooring her. And that's up mm. to me now to not moor anybody. That's yeah. it. That's the yeah. lesson. Yeah. Just don't moor anybody. Yeah. And let's yeah. just stop that little cycle here. I learned something so powerful through a friend of mine that said to me, you get to blame everything in your life under the age of 30. You can have that moment, blame everything <laughs> under the age of 30. The moment you turn 31, you take responsibility for your own life. And that to me was the biggest paradigm shift in my life where I realized I can either follow the tracks or create a new track. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I think this is the important thing in life is that we all have the choice um, whether we want to be a victim or a victor. I choose Victor all the time. I love being a rebel. I love speaking my mind. I love saying what I think. And I know that people are not always going to agree with me. But, yes, I maybe need to work sometimes delivering it with a little bit more love. But it's sometimes just the passion in me just – I mean, John has get, gotten to know that part of me with a passion when the passion comes <laughs> out. Because sometimes the delivery goes all muffled. But 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 I think John John understands how to decode my my mind and what's going on there. But at the same time, is I want to see change. And I, and mm. I, and for me, if mm. I don't see change, I feel I don't. This is I'm I'm not where I'm supposed to be because I've, I I I fear dying, not knowing that I've changed. I want to I want to look back to life and remember all the people that that's lives I've touched. 
And if I can't do that, mm. then I'm not living my fulfilled life. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a thing to say, but yo, to practice it and to live it, that's a hard thing. You're a very giving person, eh? Very. And you, you. Must just you must just protect your heart against the ourselves out there. Yeah. <laughs> so a a very, You you also are an empath. Am I correct? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So as an empath, do you trust your intuition all the time? Do you know our soul is coming your way? Do you know when no. is the time? Now, I've had many, many arseholes in my life, and I'm sure there are more awaiting in my future. I'm an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> I will find the arsehole. <laughs> you they think the arseholes are going they were, oh. we're like light, like light beacons, and then it's like all these little like Ruth. Ruth said that that at the launch of the Outsiders, it's like all these these people that come to the light, all these weird little creatures that comes to the light, and then you know, like the mosquito buzzes that, yeah. and then they all, <laughs> oh, and then they glitz us. I just wondered. You're you're always going to have them, which is why you need to care about yourself. It's weird. It sounds like that you have to. Because if you regard yourself, then you're able to navigate these things and you can see it coming a bit sooner. Mm. But yeah, now I get warned often. I often I'm oblivious to something. I've gone and then my team says, uh uh, you're a sneeze. It's amazing. You still have a thousand rand. Oh, I had a drink with him. Oh. No, he's not nice. It's not that. Oh, this guy's amazing. But, you know, so yeah. sometimes you have a bit. That's why you and John are a good combo. You always need to just make sure that you have a friend and a colleague and a partner that has, that can complement you with that opposite energy that you, we have to be weak at something. You can't be perfect, I comment. Yeah. So, so you're going you're gonna to have a lot of assholes in your life still, definitely. But you will, uh, doors will open for you easily. A lot easier than for somebody else who struggles to uh, express themselves. You just mm -hmm. get murdered in the face with a cream pie every now and then, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Lekker chat, Wiri. I freaking brought the next spot. Thank you for your time. Yeah. That's probably been the best hour I've had on the outside. We've had lots of good ones, I have to say, but this has been my favorite one because it's really, it's actually just been good to catch up with you, actually, Karen, and, uh, and also introduce oh, you to Carmen. You so much. She's cool. Carmen, you're stunning to meet you. And I love your show, guys. I'm a fan. Thank you. And um, I've only met Carmen recently, but wow, you're a fireball of energy and uh, inspiration. <laughs> and yeah, you're a go-getter. And just take care of your heart on your journey. I hope to, to see you. I feel like I'm saying goodbye until the pandemic <laughs> passes over. So just in case we don't make it, Carmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> yeah. Tell everyone I love like, them. John, I've been watching you on Instagram flip. I was confused and intrigued in the beginning by your videos. I didn't have a clue about this journey. All right. I was like, what is he doing? And then he's, he's leaving comedy. And then I just thought, well, that's interesting. That's an interesting little video. And what is he talking? He sounds like a professor. And I was just like, <laughs> John, you just reinvented yourself in the most incredible way. And as long as you just know, you were great before you became a nerd. You were the coolest, <laughs> coolest freaking cat. And you still are. You are not a geography teacher. And my only wish is that you have to return to comedy. You can do the nerd stuff, you know, carry on with this and study what you need to study. But you are you're much needed, much needed in your country. Your country needs you to be a comedian as well. I will play your 60th birthday. How's that? <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago, this skill might be gone. Oh, shut no. up, shut up. You're fucking up my strategy. Quiet. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. It's been amazing. Thanks so much. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.